Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dictinus. Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. People think dreams aren't real just because they aren't made of matter, of particles. Dreams are real, but they are made of viewpoints, of images, of memories and puns and lost hopes. Welcome to Dreams, the 177th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of Neil Gaiman from his comic The Sandman. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. And Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. And there's an awesome audio book of The Sandman yeah. on Audible starring James McAvoy, but there's also a new Netflix t- series coming oh, that's out right, for The that's Sandman. Right. Yeah. So, I'm so very Sandman ex- is getting several adaptations. Yes, yeah, so I'm very glad you read that quote. <laughs> we are not sponsored by Audible. <laughs> no, no, we are not Although sponsored we by be. Audible. <laughs> we should be because I spend enough money there and so does Ode and so does uh, we're Jackson. An, we're an Audible family. <laughs> we're an Audible family. Well, the three of you all are. I don't yeah. even have Audible. Oh, no, no, that's, that's, that's true. true. That's true. So housekeeping. We aren't doing anything because convocation was canceled. Yep. That was going to be next week. Um, so we will be recording as usual next weekend. Yep. Or um, next Monday, I guess. Yep. I have a cold. Yep. So that's why my voice might sound a little weird. But other than that, I, th- I think that's all our housekeeping. We are housekept and housewept. Yep. Spectacular. <laughs> uh, oh, I do want to... I will say this. Oh. I am... On TikTok. Oh, that's right. Yes, Gwen has gotten to started to make things on TikTok. Yes, it has been two. It had been two years mm-hmm. since I had done anything on TikTok, but in the last week, I have started doing TikTok videos. So, mm-hmm. if you are interested in anything I'm doing on TikTok, please come Gwen three P A A C. Okay, Gwen so three pack. Gwen three pack. You can find her there on TikTok. Yep. I have a TikTok that doesn't have anything on it, but but Gwen and I have been talking about maybe she and I will make some videos together. Because I've discovered the filters. Because she's discovered the filters, <laughs> and some of them do look quite fun. So We had fancy shoes on our feet. <laughs> yeah. Just from a filter. Yeah. It was fun. So, so uh, my TikTok is <laughs> Ode, the number three, Pagans, Ode three Pagans. So if you want to follow me there, I may be making videos with Gwen occasionally. That's right. So now housekeeping's done. That's right. <laughs> now we're house kept in house. Now we're house kept in Double. House. Yep. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to be talking about dreams. What's and a dream? <laughs> What's a dream? What's a dream? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> science has been studying dreams for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Since antiquity, really. Current science indicates that all mammals, most birds, some reptiles, and even animals as convergent from us as uh, cuttlefish and octopi, all have dreams, Mm -hmm. but we don't all have the same kind of dream states. So almost all animals that we're aware of sleep. We've confirmed that. We don't know yet if single-celled organisms sleep. Everything we can identify as an animal has some kind of sleep stage, but a lot of them only have a single sleep stage. Mm -hmm. They have uh, what's, what's called a period of quiet attentiveness or quiet sleep, where they have reduced reaction to stimuli. But humans and many other mammals and birds and octopi (laughs) have multiple sleep phases. Humans in particular have four identified sleep phases. The first three are mostly non-dreaming phases. There can sometimes be sort of transient dream-like experiences during a few of the earlier sleep stages. But real recognizable dreams occur in the fourth sleep stage, which is known as rapid eye movement sleep. REM sleep. This is a very important stage in human sleep. Mm -hmm. Takes about four hours in humans, but significantly less in other animals that experience it. For example, octopi experience a REM sleep stage of what appears to be between one and four minutes. Mm -hmm. But during REM sleep, humans typically report experiencing essentially 
hallucinatory experiences. Mm -hmm. Everyone dreams. I know there are people who go, I don't dream. Actually, you do. It's just that 95% of us forget what we've dreamed by the time we get up. But everyone dreams between three and six times per night. Each dream lasts anywhere between five to 20 minutes. Dreaming can actually help you learn and develop long-term memories. Mm -hmm. And blind people dream more with other sensory components mm -hmm. than sighted people do. So their dreams are, are more based in sound and yeah. feel and things like that. People who were born blind don't dream in visual styles mm -hmm. at all. People who were born sighted but um, became blind at a later point do sometimes dream with limited sight mm -hmm. or partial sight or occasional sight. There hasn't been actually a lot of study of how people with aphantasia dream. So mm -hmm. we've talked about this before. People with aphantasia can't visualize imaginary scenarios. Mm -hmm. So they can't imagine a red apple, right? So we it, there hasn't been a lot of study of whether those people have visual dreams or if they can recall visual dreams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that again- Because a lot of it comes down to recall. And again, 95% of people don't remember their dreams. Mm -hmm. Or they remember very fragmentary yeah, information yeah, from Yeah, little bits dreams. and pieces. Or if it's something very significant. Like mm -hmm. there are a few dreams that I do remember simply because they were very startling or they were significant or they mm -hmm. made me laugh. Or they were recurring. Or they were recurring. Or... Yep, things like that. Most people don't remember most of their dreams, but will remember a few dreams over the course of their life. So does that mean I'm normal then? It actually does, yes. Mm -hmm. So, Carr, talk about your experience with dreams. In my entire life, I think I may have remembered two dreams long enough to tell somebody about them. Mm -hmm. And that's been probably in the last 15 years. Yeah, because I remember one of them was you told mom and I about it. Because mm -hmm. um, yeah. it was so weird that you remembered it. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, most of the time I don't remember them at all. And that's very typical. Yeah, that's actually that's that's actually very very common. Which is why you get people again saying, "Oh, I don't dream." It's mm -hmm. actually you do because your, your, your brain experiences the dream process. Yeah, it's it just doesn't store any of it. Exactly. And dreaming is actually very important for our, our mental health, for our stability, just how we process things. That the one of the theories is that dreams are basically taking in all the sensory input that we don't notice mm -hmm. throughout the day or even throughout the week. You know, it just kind of and, and percolates and it forms your dreams at night. And so it's helping to kind of categorize and deal with things that you might not notice. Yeah, there are a lot of theories about where dream content comes from. Mm -hmm. And this has been a subject of study for centuries at this point. I, I guess two of the, the most known interpretations for or, or guesstimates mm -hmm. for where dream content comes from are the Freudian mm -hmm. analysis and mm -hmm. the Jungian analysis. Mm -hmm. Freud wrote quite early, actually, in his career, a book called The Interpretation of Dreams, in which he proposed, and this was before he'd even formulated his theory of the, the ego and the superego and all that. So, so he was still referring to things like what he would later devise as the superego, he was still calling the censor. Like this mm. was very, very early in his work. But his theory was that dream content came from unfulfilled wishes. Mm -hmm. So he had noted that like children had very straightforward dreams. They dreamed about things they hadn't gotten to do during the day. Mm -hmm. And then adults had more complex dreams that seemed more symbolic and confusing mm -hmm. with more motifs and what seemed like veiled or hidden meanings. Mm -hmm. um, so his theory was that children, because they hadn't developed a complete sensor yet, were dreaming very straightforwardly about the things that they wished had happened and that they hadn't gotten. Mm -hmm. And then adults who had more developed sensors were hiding the wishes that they hadn't had fulfilled mm -hmm. from themselves and representing them, but like unable to completely suppress them, they were coming out in their dreams in these symbolic ways. Now, Crow's Night 66 asks, do we know anything about why some nightmares aren't actually scary, but scare you anyway? I used to have nightmares all the time, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that was from childhood until well into my 30s. Mm -hmm. I think some of that is, my understanding is the theory is that there are some things that might make you uncomfortable or discomforted during the day. And it is played out in your in your dreams at night. Maybe, like I said, there are a number of theories. There's Jung has a completely different theory for why dreams happen than Freud does, mm -hmm. and there are new, more modern theories about why dreams happen. 
Some of them have to do with things you saw during the day. Some of them have to do with your brain's just producing random information and the left side of your brain is trying to interpret it into a story. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no consensus for where, where dream content comes from. Right. And the scare may just be because your adrenaline is, is peaked. Right. It just, in the course of the dream, your brain sets off the fear sensors, even though like it's not something you would be afraid of if you were rational. But because you're not rational right now, you know, your body re- reacts to the signals your brain gave it anyway. And so right. you wake up still with the adrenaline. Yeah. So what is Jung's theory of dream? Because you said it's different from, from Freud's. Yeah. So Jung believed in um, a collective unconscious yeah. with archetypes and universal meanings and connections and that sort of everyone's consciousness was connected in an underlying way mm-hmm. in addition to having the individual ego. Mm-hmm. So Jung's belief was that dreams were a dialogue between the individual ego and and the underlying unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. And not just your unconscious mind, but, but like, the collective unconscious mind. Like the so, Akashic Records? Sort of, yeah. So Jung's belief was that a dream was the process of your ego trying to sort of defragment your experiences and incorporate them back into the whole and for the whole to restore balances to the ego. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of a a dream was a self-correcting process that was supposed to bring you back into alignment. Yeah, balance and equilibrium. Yeah. The other thing uh, that I read that one theory, and maybe this is Jungian, is that it helped you kind of correlate ideas from the past and the present to prepare you for potential things that could happen in the future. So yeah, so that's actually, that's not Jungian specific. There was a specific scientist who forwarded this uh, idea of threat preparation. Right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't borne out in most, like statistically in most cases, but he believed that the purpose of a dream was for your brain to, especially for nightmares, was for your brain to sort of create these hypothetical threat scenarios, these dangers that would pursue you in the dream, mm-hmm. and that the the process of the dream was for you to practice how you would escape or overcome those threats. Hmm. I wonder if that's where we come up with like the, the running, like a dream where you're running from something. Mm-hmm. And you can't get away from it. You're just running, running, running until you wake up. Exactly. That that was his, that was the sort of the basis of his theory. Those kind of dreams were the basis of, of his theory. Those or the are falling dreams. Falling dreams. Any kind of dream where you're attacked or under threat in any way. Those are fairly common, especially for people who are prone to nightmares. So he believed that was sort of the evolutionary purpose of dreams mm-hmm. was for your brain to do a practice run of these things right. that were scary and threatening. What they found in doing studies was that most people in those dreams don't succeed at evading the threat. Mm -hmm. So you get caught at the end. They found that in most of those cases, it wasn't being effective threat preparation Mm -hmm. because your results never changed. Right. Right. So like if you had a recurring nightmare of being chased, but it always played out and ended the same way, well, then your brain wasn't doing any like pattern adjustment. Right. It was just replaying. It was just replaying this scary scenario over and over again Mm -hmm. and not developing a new plan Mm -hmm. for it. So that theory sort of lost traction eventually just because especially those kind of recurring nightmares, it was like, well, you're not learning anything in the dream. But there are theories that while you're dreaming, regardless of the content of your dream, is the time that your brain is moving memories Mm -hmm. from short-term to long-term storage, which is sort of a an abstractified way to talk about it because memories aren't actually like discrete units. They're Mm -hmm. not like files you can pick up and move from one part of your brain to another part of your brain. They're neural sequences. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that while you're dreaming, various neurons are firing Mm -hmm. and your brain is sort of storing those patterns. Right. Kind of like the the whole mind palace Mm -hmm. uh, or mind library thing that the memory technique you're not actually like moving and pulling out specific memories. Mm-hmm. It, it's a technique to, to visualize, to visualize those, those, that process. That process, yeah. And so the idea is that while your brain is firing those various neurons, storing memories, which is part of the learning process, your the other part of your brain, the left-hand part of your brain, the interpreter part of your brain, is reading those signals and trying to make a story out of them. Right. 
Right. So, Car, you said you don't really remember your dreams, but are there any that you remember that you would want to share? No, no, actually, I don't remember any of them anymore. That's an interesting point. Most people, even when they've written their dreams down, don't mm. remember them afterwards. They can read them and be like, that's a cool dream I had, mm-hmm. but they don't remember having them. I remember, this is going to sound weird, when I, I remember that one time when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I remember dreaming in cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> It was it in like Pixar or Disney. <laughs> no, that time it would have been Pixar Looney. didn't exist yet. Yeah, that's Pixar true. Didn't yeah, exist. No, that time it would have been Looney Tunes because that's what I watched the most of during the day after school. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was the weirdest thing, and I remember I was probably like eight or nine years old. I remember waking up thinking that was really weird, but kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I want to do that again, and then never did. I actually remember a lot of my dreams, mm-hmm. and I remember dreaming them, which is the more mm-hmm. unusual thing. Like I said, most people, even once they've written them down, because keeping a dream journal is a, is a oh, yeah. good way to, to build a dream practice. I am never awake enough after I've woken up it's from a, a dream to, to write it down. It's definitely a struggle. And we'll, we'll talk about techniques for that in a little bit. But yeah. It's very common for people, even once they've written them down or told them to people, mm-hmm. to remember that they, that they had a dream mm-hmm. and to see the content of the dream and be like, I have a vague sense of attachment to this content, but to not remember the process of dreaming. It's like that cartoon dream. I don't remember what the dream was about. Mm -hmm. I just remember that it was very bright, very vivid and in cartoon. Right. And it was fun. I had fun. It was you, a good it dream. It was a good dream that you enjoyed. Yes, exactly. Whereas I remember like full storylines to like <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the one thing. apocalyptic catastrophes. Right? I remember there were there have been times where I'm in the middle of a really interesting dream. It, usually it's like a an adventure mm-hmm. story. Yeah. You know, where I'm I'm like not the hero, but I'm like somehow riding along with the mm-hmm. hero. In the entourage. In the entourage. And I'm like waking up in the middle of the action. I'm like, God damn it. And Go I, back to sleep. Go back to sleep. <laughs> and I will manage to get myself get back, back into, into that dream so that the story continues. I've done that a few times <laughs> as well, yeah. L says, I'm not even in all of my dreams. Same. I've yeah. had some dreams where I am like completely transported into the body and soul of some other person. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're just watching or you're watching things play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like as an outside observer. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, I had uh, I had recurring dreams when I was a child. As I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, I used to get a lot of nightmares. Yeah, from very early childhood on. I do believe some of it has, and we can get into the metaphysical stuff mm-hmm. soon after we're done talking the uh, the, science. the sciencey stuff. But I used to dream that there was a this presence that I would feel every day in my room. I felt mm-hmm. this strange presence, and at night I would then dream that this presence was would take form in like a, a dark shadowy figure and hover over my bed. Now, now here's an interesting question, which mm-hmm. you may no longer be able to answer, mm-hmm. but that may not have been a dream. That may have been a sleep paralysis experience. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. Um, which is not technically speaking a dream mm-hmm. during sleep paralysis. So I don't know if everyone's aware of what sleep paralysis actually is during sleep paralysis. You're in a state that's called REM atonia mm-hmm. where you've woken out of a REM state, but um, without going through another sleep phase. So during REM sleep, your body is actually partially paralyzed Mm-hmm. just naturally so that you don't flail around too badly mm-hmm. in the middle of your dreaming. So when you wake out of a direct REM state, your body still hasn't completely sh- shaken off that mm-hmm. natural paralysis. So you can't move. Mm-hmm. And it's very common during sleep paralysis for people to have mild hallucinatory mm-hmm. experiences like feeling a pressure on their chest yep. Or seeing an intruder in a room, mm-hmm. or all these kinds of things. So I wonder if um, that was a sleep paralysis experience that was blending with your experience with the spirit in that space. I think it was, and I've had numerous of those experiences over my life. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I am sensitive to you know to these various spirits, especially the one when I was growing up. And so yeah, I think it kind of blends the two mm-hmm. that you're sensing the because this... you're in a you're in a more sensitive state when exactly. you're in, when you're in sleep paralysis because you've just come out of REM when your mm-hmm. brain is at its most like mm-hmm. creative and reactive. Yeah, I tend to believe that, you know, I know science would say it's just a hallucination. Right. But I tend to believe that in at least in cases of people who may be sensitive to 
various spirits, if they are experiencing a, a particular spirit or something, right. it could coincide together. We've talked before about how science and, and spirituality don't have to be separate. No. You can have two different explanations for the same for phenomenon. For the exact same. To be clear, I don't think every case of a sleep paralysis hallucination no. is a genuine spirit attack or Agreed. anything. And I don't think I always experienced yeah. one. Um, sometimes it will just be, you can't move and your brain is highly creative in this moment. And because you can't move, it's stressed you out. Mm-hmm. And so it started hallucinating a threat. But so just because I know this subject can cause anxiety for people, Mm -hmm. you're not in any danger when you're undergoing sleep paralysis. Your heart's not going to stop. You're not going to stop breathing. All of your autonomic functions are going to continue as normal, exactly as they do when you're asleep. You can bring yourself slowly and gradually out of sleep paralysis by focusing on just moving first, just moving a finger, just Mm -hmm. wiggling a finger a little bit and then move on to moving your hand, and then move on to moving your arm, and then very gradually your whole body will unlock and you will be fully awake. You don't have to be scared of this experience if or when it happens to you. It's a normal physiological phenomenon. It's not going to hurt you. That's right. Okay. Like I said, there are ways to bring yourself out of it very gradually. Just the, sort of the reverse of the way you do a gradual relaxation mm-hmm. technique. You just where do you, the reverse You of just it. do the reverse of that. Mm-hmm. Join our Tiger Crystal at Apothecary Teas. This shop produces fragrant, aesthetically beautiful teas that delight all of the senses. With handcrafted tea blends from white to red to green. This week, Ode recommends Herbalist Shield, a blend of chamomile, echinacea, ginger, and lemon for comfort during the cold season. Find them at apothecaryteastore.com or on Facebook at Apothecary Teas, LLC. Hail Dictinus. Hail Dictinus. Good reads, good reads. Good reads. But yes, I think we've covered the science now fairly mm-hmm. extensively. Mm-hmm. So you want to get into the metaphysical the stuff The metaphysical. Now? <laughs> well, we kind of started it with, yep, the, we did. with the, the experience that I had as a child mm-hmm. and have had as an adult. Yep. And again, not all mm-hmm. sleep paralysis experiences that I've had have included mm-hmm. that sensation. It's just when there, what I feel like when there is a spirit present, mm-hmm. It kind that's of, a good occasion. That's for a it. good occasion for it. Most dreams, I would say, are not going to be. Oh yeah, not going to have any spirit or divine uh, intervention involved in them. That doesn't mean they aren't useful, just in terms of accessing your own psyche. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and there are people who say that the the gods do communicate with yeah, them. I'm not saying dreams. I'm not saying that they don't. I'm right. just saying. Not every dream is going to be. Exactly. Don't think every single dream is a portent. Right, exactly. <laughs> Traditionally, in, in a lot of ancient cultures, basically any dream you remembered was considered d- a divine omen of some right, kind. Right, right. Understandably, because right. most people don't remember them. Most people don't remember them. So to remember a dream was a rare event. And the records we have suggest that actually in ancient times, way back in the way back, it was more common for people to dream of a specific mythological figure telling them something Mm -hmm. and for them to remember that figure and those words when they woke up. We very rarely have people report those kind of dreams now. And we actually aren't sure why. That's actually Mm -hmm. something that people have been studying. Like why have dreams or the reporting of dreams changed in this way? So, so, and and it's because of the of what dreams are and mm-hmm. and how they're experienced. It's impossible for us to know if dreams have changed mm-hmm. or if how people interpret, report, or record their dreams have mm-hmm. changed. I know some people have like some Christians have reported dreaming about Jesus having a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. I know that people who are have lost uh, a loved one, mm-hmm. you know, may experience a dream. That includes, you know, this person, this person. In fact, I remember my mother telling me shortly before her mother died, she dreamed that she got a phone call Mm -hmm. and it was her mother's voice on the end of the line. And she woke up and knew that her mother had passed. Mm -hmm. So people get that kind of of thing. Yeah. Kind of a premonitory dream. Yes. And that's where I feel like, you know, I think everybody has a, if not some psychic ability, at least a psychic twinkle. The the potential. The potential for for it. And I think sometimes that can come out in our dreams, Mm -hmm. you know, especially if people are not really, they're not engaged in like developing their psychic ability or really in tune with their intuition. And especially if they don't have uh, like a 
strongly developed dream work practice. Exactly. So their brain is still very flexible. Or if they have um, maybe have a religion or something that doesn't really encourage people to to remember momentous dreams, or especially if it's a the dream of a loved one, you know, they might tell you, oh, you're just imagining it, right. you know, kind of thing. But there are people who report having conversations with loved ones who've passed, mm-hmm. um, angels, things like that. So I think it happens, but maybe just in a different way. Right. It definitely does still happen. I'm just saying the the evidence suggests right. that the, the propensity for those kinds of dreams has, has declined over time. I wonder if that's because we have more of a enlightened quote unquote. Well, view. in the uh, <laughs> in the discord, they're suggesting maybe it's media, the accessibility and abundance of media. Ran and Grace says, if you rarely hear stories, I'd imagine they stick with you for longer. I'm not sure about that because storytelling has always been a very intrinsic part of human culture. Mm. We just um, have told them in different ways and different forms over time. But it's certainly possible that the amount yeah, of visual and um, imaginary fictional content that we consume now has enriched our dreamscapes to an extent that they no longer necessarily include divine or mythological figures. That's true. And so when the divine wants to contact us, they have more varied tools to use. Yeah, yeah. Because I think a lot of people do have divinely inspired dreams, but they don't have them in the same way. So in the past, what we saw a lot in dreams was a identifiable divine figure speaking words. Like Thor coming to speak to Thor coming directly to you and speaking to you a specific phrase that told you to do something or not to do something. Mm -hmm. And then you would wake up and you would report this dream and someone would tell you what it meant. Now... I think if Thor comes to you in a dream, he's much less likely to necessarily look the same way. And he's not as likely to, at least in my experience, to say words to you. He's more likely to not even show up physically, but to just send you like a sea of abstract concepts that you're Mm -hmm. supposed to stitch together into his meaning. Right, right. And I don't know why that is. Card, do you have any theories? Well, I think some of it comes from at least my branch of Christendom that I grew up in believed that all of that stopped with the apostle. That's true. None of that stuff existed anymore that after God had given, you know, all the books of the Bible to everybody, he didn't need to talk to us anymore because it was already written down. Which is hilarious when you realize that the writings didn't happen to like, what, a hundred years? After uh, Jesus? Hundreds of years. Hundreds the, of years, years The Bible specifically, but also we'd been writing things down ages before that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, I know. I know, but that's, but I mean, that's the concept was, you know, that God didn't need to talk directly to us anymore because we already had everything he needed to say. That doesn't really apply to to my particular religious framework, but no. uh, agreed. But I can see how a Christian, yeah, would interpret it that way. Right. I was thinking of uh, along the lines, though, of, of Joseph, who was a dream diviner. Yes. So this is actually a really interesting phenomenon. They don't describe it this way specifically in the story in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But what was actually happening? happening there, Solomon's dream. No, I'm not talking about Solomon. I'm talking about Joseph. He was pre-Solomon. Who was the king Joseph interpreted dreams for? Oh, he was an Egyptian king. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar, I think. Okay. No, actually, no, it was an it was a an Egyptian it was, king. It was an Egyptian king, I guess. Um, I don't <laughs> no, know no. if they did this, but I know the Greeks and the Hebrews did this. So the Greeks and the Hebrews both had a practice called dream incubation, which was a healing practice, hmm. among other things, where there were, in Greek, they were called asclepions. There were specific temples that you could go to and sleep in special dream beds where, like, they were sacred spaces where the priests would do things to encourage you to dream. And the idea was you went to this dream incubation temple and any dream you had there was divinely inspired mm-hmm. and would render you comfort or healing, or you know, whatever the the gods had deigned to give you for this dream, and the so sick people would go to the dream incubation temples and hope to get healing dreams. Mm. And so that's actually a practice that the Hebrews also had. They would hope for healing dreams from God or revelatory dreams mm-hmm. from God. And that's actually like Solomon at one point goes to a dream temple to ask for a divine dream. Interesting. Well, of course. And so so Joseph's practice of dream interpretation is actually like correct, like mm-hmm. religiously correct in, well, in Hebrew 
practice yes. at that time. Well, and we have to remember that that Joseph, he was the one that had the fancy coat and he was the one that the brothers hated. Right. And he mm-hmm. had these dreams that put him above his brothers. And that's why they cast him out, told their father he was dead. He was the one who got sold into slavery and ended up being a servant in an Egyptian man's house. The man's name was Potiphar. Right, he right. eventually gets thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit. Right. But the Pharaoh. Who apparently is just called Pharaoh. Yeah, he's just Pharaoh. They yeah. don't name it. Nebuchadnezzar was actually Babylonian. I started having these weird dreams about cows. Right. Skinny cows, mm-hmm. fat cows. Right, right. I remember cows. that. Yeah. Yep. And so, but Joseph had been interpreting dreams for others in prison. Right. And so he brought Joseph out of prison. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor yes. Dream Code is coming back to yes. you in flashes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And uh, and so Joseph interpreted the king's dreams, mm-hmm. and he did it so successfully that he was made like second in command right. because there mm-hmm. was he portended that these dreams were telling him that a famine was coming, okay. and they had to prepare. Right. So maybe part of the reason why, because this was hundreds of years before Solomon. Now we do know. Maybe that's how, what I'm saying is how the practice of these maybe. dream temples came about was because Joseph became very revered. I, I don't know. I, I know, like I said, I know the Greeks and the Hebrews had this dream incubation practice. I don't know if the Egyptians had it, but I do know they had dream interpretation because we have hieroglyphic evidence of mm-hmm. what they thought various symbols meant in dreams. Right, right. In the story of Joseph, None of the Egyptian priests and and well, of course, interpret the, the dreams. Of course, the Hebrew propaganda would say that, but <laughs> the Egyptians Only, did have their own in- dream did. interpretation methods. They just got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, but it just it's curious to me that that you're saying that uh, Hebrews actually had this tradition mm-hmm. of of going into a temple and of specifically praying specifically for praying for dreams, dreams. Yeah. Uh, that God would. Mm-hmm. sent to them. And I just have to wonder because, you know, they were living in Egypt for a very long time. And so it just makes me wonder if some of the, these practices of dreaming mm-hmm. and getting interpretations of dreams and sacred things, sacred dreaming, sacred dreaming, things of that nature kind of became part of their traditions. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what came first. I don't know which chicken and which chicken egg. Or the egg? <laughs> so yeah. So, so dream incubation was a, a thing and that's actually something you can still do as part of a dream work practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're working on building your memory for dreams and um, especially if you have a specific deity you're trying to get in Mm -hmm. contact with or an answer to a question that you need or whatever and other divinatory methods aren't working for you, something Mm -hmm. you can try Mm -hmm. is create a sacred space, Mm -hmm. set up dream associated things around it, you know, stones associated with dreams. Create a dream pillow. Create a dream pillow. Get some nice scents that are associated with dreaming or with the the deity you're trying to contact, all these things. Drink some mugwort tea. Drink some mugwort or some other dream uh, supporting mm-hmm. tea and go to sleep. <laughs> and, and have a pencil and, and have, journal. Yep, have that journal ready for when you wake up and you can try to incubate your own dreams mm-hmm. and induce dreaming, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's actually part of, so one form of dreaming, I guess we haven't really touched on yet is lucid dreaming. Mm-hmm. Good. I was going to ask that question. Yeah. So, so lucid dreaming is the process of becoming aware that you are dreaming right. while you are in the dream without waking up. It happened to me a couple of times. I've not been able to do it like intentionally, intentionally, but I've, it's happened to me where I've woken up in the middle of a dream, realized I was in a dream and interacted in the dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it does happen sometimes for people sort of organically. Yeah. Um, I've never been able to do it intentionally. <laughs> it's, it, it can be difficult, um, but there are ways to, to practice lucid dreaming, to induce lucid dreaming, <laughs> to get back into science for a minute. Yeah. They've done some studies on lucid dreaming. Mm-hmm. So it's um, a legit thing people can do. It, it really is. It's not just like a self-reported phenomenon. They've studied it. Because it happens during rapid eye movement phase sleep, the only part of your body that's really free to move is your eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of your body, like we discussed, is partially paralyzed. Mm-hmm. So scientists studying the phenomenon of lucid dreaming, actually quite early on, got in contact with some people who knew how to and were skilled lucid dreamers and were like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have you memorize these specific irregular patterns of eye movement. And then in the dream, when you wake up and become lucid, we want you to move your eyes in these ways to replicate these eye pattern movements. And then they would watch them while they slept and record their eye movements. 
And they got these the response. it, these responses consistently. Um, and then the people would wake up and report the like, hey, I was lucid. I did the eye thing. Did you see it? Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, yes, we did indeed see it. Let's <laughs> do it again so we can confirm our results. And so they've done all kinds of studies using rapid eye movement response. Like they'll have someone sing in the dream versus count from a hundred to to zero in the dream and measured like the different kinds of brain activity that that go off while they're doing this with the rapid eye movement indicating that like yes I am currently lucid and dreaming and, and doing this intentionally to communicate with you. And so like they've found different parts of the brain light up when you sing in a dream, the same parts of the brain that light up when you sing when you're awake. Mm-hmm. They found like the your brain activity changes when you're lucid. You actually do become partially more aware. It's a state where you seem to be both awake and, and asleep, asleep simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So lucid dreaming is actually a fascinating phenomenon. And there's a lot of actually like debate in the scientific community about what exactly mm-hmm. it is and what function it serves. It makes me wonder if since I've done it accidentally a couple of times in my life mm-hmm. if I like worked on some techniques and stuff if I could like make it an actual thing that I could intentionally do you almost certainly could since it's happened most people are at least the people who are able to report their dreams which again mm-hmm. is already a minority and it takes right. practice to learn to remember your dreams enough to report them right but most people it's believed should be able to learn to lucid dream mm-hmm. and a lot of it has to do honestly with intention setting. Oh, that makes sense. The The easiest way to induce a lucid dream is to tell yourself repeatedly that you will lucid dream tonight. Okay. That you will be aware when you dream. That when you dream, you will wake up in the dream. That you will be asleep but awake at the same time. Mm-hmm. To repeat these things to yourself as a mantra before you go to bed. And to make that your last thought as you're falling asleep, that you're going to lose a dream tonight. You're going to lose a dream tonight. And the more you do this, sometimes it takes a few nights to do. And it is something you have to focus on. It's sort of the same way you set like an intention for a trance or something mm-hmm. like that, or, or for a deep meditation. Well, it's probably how I've managed to get back into the same dream that mm-hmm. I just left off. It's exactly. like, I'm going to get back into the same dream. And I'm imagining it as I'm going exactly. to sleep. And so your brain just picks up where it left off. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when you, so there is a trick to make it a little easier. You do, you set that and you do that intention setting beforehand and then you can set a trigger for yourself Mm. so you say like in the dream when i do x or when i see x i will wake up in the dream and that's known as a dream sign yeah a dream sign or or a trigger that's part of mild mnemonic induction of lucid dreams yeah you want to talk about that process car basically i guess created in 1980 by a guy named laburge a mnemonic induction of lucid dreaming or mild Basically, you've covered most of it. The dream sign, you can think about returning to a dream and acknowledge that the dream sign only happens when you dream. And then always tell yourself the next time I dream, I want to remember everything that I'm dreaming. If you watched, God, what was that movie called? Inception? Yep. If you watched Inception, all, all I can ever think of is the horn noise. The <laughs> But if you if you watched Inception, the, the little trick they have there of like, here's a thing that's impossible, so it can only be happening in a dream. So if I see this, I know I'm dreaming. That's a dream sign. Uh, we have a question here. Would certain herbs in sleep sachets help or crystals? Um, there are herbs that help mm-hmm. for for dreaming. Mugwort is one. A lot of the, the herbs that are associated with divination are mm-hmm. good for dreaming. Mm-hmm. In terms of crystals, a lot of people are going to say, just use a quartz because quartz is good for anything. Amethyst for good vibes. Rose quartz for good vibes. The big one I would say take away from your space is don't have any white howlite in a space where you intend to have and remember your dreams because white howlite actually inspires dreamless sleep or unremembered dreams. So it prevents you from having, it's good if you have nightmares frequently, white howlite is, or if you're having disruptive dreams. But if you want to remember your dreams, take any howlite out of your space. It's going to be counterproductive. Do you want to talk about the other kinds of dreams of lucid dreaming? Oh yeah, sure. So there's also wild, which is wake initiated lucid dreaming. And that's where your mind stays conscious while your body goes to sleep. Which is like harder to, it's not actually harder to do necessarily, but it's harder to conceptualize, I think. Right. Harder to learn. Yeah. Yep. There's also reality testing. So when you're in a dream, you should do things like check a mirror to see if your reflection looks normal. Look at your hands to see if they look normal. Check time because in a dream, 
dream, the time will constantly change backwards and forwards. Yeah, or it'll be really ambiguous. It's a good way to tell if you're in a lucid dream. Uh, push your hands against solid objects, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there's the WBTB, which is the wake back to bed. Do not do this if you have problems sleeping. Yeah. But you set an alarm for five hours after your bedtime. You go to sleep as normal. When the alarm goes off, you stay up for 30 minutes doing a quiet activity like reading or something like that, and then you fall back asleep. And the, the interrupted sleep is what helps you. Correct, yeah. And you have to do your activity that you're doing, reading, whatever, has to be something that requires your full alertness. But that you can do in bed. Correct. So it can't just be like scrolling on TikTok. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, because it's really not, you're not really concentrating on TikTok. Yeah, you're just so kind of... actually something ideal would be if you have like one of those like finger puzzles. Yeah, yep. Gwen has some dream supporting herbs. Yep. Obviously, again, you've got mugwort, but you want to be, um, you know, be careful because mugwort can be overstimulating. You can be have very active. Mugwort dreams. is mildly, very, very mildly psychoactive. Yes. So which is why it's good for divination yep. and things like that. So I wouldn't say drink a gallon of mugwort. No. Put a tiny bit of mugwort in an otherwise unremarkable tea. <laughs> so mugwort is a good, uh, and you can also put it in a pillow so that, mm -hmm. you know, you can either Just drink it as scent. a tea, you can get the Or scent. you can burn some so you get mm, some in the air. Some incense. You also can have um, various different types of herbs like rose and rose petals are good if you want to have a gentle dream. Mm -hmm. um, jasmine is good for romance. Lemongrass and cloves are exotic. So if you, so if you want to have a, a spicy dream. <laughs> Add something spicy. If you're wanting to enhance healing dreams, sage is something that you can do. Uh, fern needles and pine uh, are good for dreams if you want to connect with nature. A lot of these are, are dreams that you know, are herbs that you use for specific types of dreaming. Right. To, um, in, to, induce to induce or incubate a, yes. a dream for a specific purpose. And chamomile is 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 good for dreaming as well. Mm -hmm. You know, Because yeah. one, it's good for inducing General sleep relaxation. And relaxation. Yeah. But also it, it can help you with your dreams. Lucid dreaming isn't just the practice of becoming aware that you're dreaming. Mm -hmm. It's also the practice of controlling the dream while you're in it. Mm -hmm. Not everyone has this experience. Some people just become aware that they're in a dream and they don't have control over the dream, but they're... They're just able to interact with the dream as it's already established um, or as it continues to grow around them. But some people are able to more directly sort of manipulate the fabric of the dream to decide what the rules are going to be. And this can be very, very useful if you have nightmares mm -hmm. or other kinds of anxiety dreams mm -hmm. or, or just dreams that you don't want to have right. that you're not enjoying. If you can become lucid during that dream, you can just change the direction, change, the change the dream so that it, it becomes something more to your taste. Mm -hmm. And maybe that is something to talk about a little bit of, you know, why do people have nightmares or anxiety dreams? Mm -hmm. A lot of people believe it is, you know, or, or the science or whatever mm -hmm. says it's, it's because you're working through anxieties yeah. or there's something going on in your life. There is a strong correlation between people who have high levels of stress, or especially anxiety mm -hmm. disorders and nightmares. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, I can't tell you how many times, especially when you, you know, you guys were little, I would have dreams of, of crying babies and, mm -hmm. you know, or losing my babies. I, you know, I've, I've dreamed that before. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm trying to find child, you know, and I can't find the child and I wake up with tears running down my my face, you know, mm -hmm. but I also have these really weird dreams. Not that long ago, I had this really strange dream where you guys were children again. Okay. Um, but you're, you're the four of us, your father and, and I and you kids, we had to live in a camper because we were hiding from the government. Mm. <laughs> Go to a safe house and then uh -huh. we got discovered and we were on the run. It was very exciting. Yeah. Uh, an adventure dream. It was an adventure <laughs> dream. But then I lost you guys. And so I woke up having stressed out. stressed out and you know even though it was an exciting adventurous dream mm -hmm. it got to a point where it, it got it, it broke got, scary it broke to scary because i had lost my children when when i was a teenager i used to have this recurring dream or this recurring figure who would like invade other dreams <laughs> to be more accurate because mm -hmm. i would be having like a normal dream and then there was this recurring monster i guess she was a little girl mm -hmm. who like was a cannibal Oh, she was, a, I called her the cannibal child mm -hmm. and she would just like follow me around to different dreams and just start killing and eating people. Ow. And I would end up like trapped in a car and she was outside of it. 
and like eating someone or like I was trying to to escape a house that she was in mm-hmm. or like so I would just have these dreams where suddenly she would show up and the whole dream would become about trying not to get eaten by this child. So that question is, you know, how much of our shadow self uh-huh. is being reflected in these dreams? Exactly. Because I was dealing with a lot of shit at the time I was having these mm-hmm. dreams. Mm-hmm. And I eventually at one point, so I do a lot of dream work magically and otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, and I I have for a long time because I have very vivid dreams that I remember very clearly and that I remember experiencing. And I've had lots of lucid dream experiences and dreams fading into astral and back and forth. And so I do a lot of things in dreams. Mm -hmm. So even as a teenager, I was doing some amount of dream work, even before I was like fully into a witchcraft practice. Mm -hmm. So what I eventually did, because I got sick of dreaming, having nightmares of being chased by this cannibal child. Yeah. Was I personified, I embodied the cannibal child into literally my shadow child. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they say that uh, everybody has an inner child, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, well, clearly you're mine. So <laughs> we got to deal with this shit. And so for a while... I just locked her up, which wasn't super productive, but it meant she stopped being in my way all the time. Right. And so like, I don't recommend that method for dealing with your inner child, but when they're super destructive, sometimes they need a timeout. (laughs) So I gave her a dream timeout and she stopped invading my, my nightmares so that I could have normal dreams again. And eventually I had a dialogue with the cannibal child Mm -hmm. and we worked it out and eventually she stopped existing. Mm-hmm. Like the problems in my life that were embodied by and represented by mm-hmm. the cannibal child, uh, I dealt with. Mm-hmm. I moved past those, right? Mm-hmm. And so my inner child is much healthier now and is no longer this scary, mm-hmm. dangerous figure. But that was all work that I did in lucid dreams. Right. And I think it's important for people to know, too, that, you know, as I said earlier, not every dream, especially not every scary dream mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, some kind of an omen right. or, or a sign, uh, which, you know, refer back to our previous right. episode about <laughs> omens and signs. Um, but it could very well be that your shadow self, you know, is, is trying to assert itself. Mm-hmm. And that is something you're going to need to deal with. Yep. Um, in, in some form, whether you, cause deal she with would it, uh, literally this, this, would just show the up. shadow of my, of my inner child, right. this damaged part of me would just invade other dreams. Yeah. And so if you don't want something like that to happen, you do have to get to a place. And if you can't do lucid dreaming and, mm-hmm. and or, or something like that, you can do, you can do more, do more traditional, traditional shadow, shadow work. work, but deal with whatever anxieties mm-hmm. or fears or, uh, just lies about yourself mm-hmm. that you are, have, have embodied so deeply that it has become, you know, it's in your shadow and it has become an egregore of sorts. Exactly. You know, is invading your dreams. And so you deal with that in an emotional, spiritual way Mm -hmm. so that you can, you can heal that that that. part. And then the, the spiritual manifestation stops having power. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Join our tiger Amanda and relax with the salts of wonderful body co. These soaks and scrubs inspired by popular books and characters are designed to delight multiple senses with fragrant scents and sparkling mica. You can also find rollerball fragrances and hair oils. With dozens of options available, you'll sure be to find something that you can like at Wonderful Body Co's collection. This week, Oda's is recommending the Loki fragrance oil. Scented with sage, cinnamon, bergamot, cocoa bean, cedarwood smoke, and honey. Find Wonderful Body Co. online at wonderfulbodyco.com or go directly to the shop at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Wonderful Body Co. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! You should have got the oil! You should have got the Dictinus oil from Wonderful Body Co. Uh-huh. Also very good, but I got the Loki oil. Like It actually came a couple of days ago, but I was at work, so I got it today. And it smells, oh, it smells so good. good. I want it. It smells so very, very good. Gwen tried to steal it from me, but no. <laughs> I'm going to have to buy it. You're going to no, have to buy your own. But we want to say thank you. Yes. Thank you to Amanda. Yes. Thank because, you to Wonderful Body Co. Because we received uh, a gift from Amanda mm-hmm. that was all products from Wonderful Body Co. She even sent one to Jackson. Yep. And it was our Yule gifts that had just been delayed. Uh-huh. Yep. Hi. <laughs> Shipping and everything. That's right. So we cannot say enough things about Amanda and uh, the wonderful work 
of Wonderful of Body wonderful Co. Wonderful Body Co. Uh, and do remember the discount code of 3-pack30 that I always forget to put in the commercial. Yes, do, because it's it's an incredibly generous discount. Mm-hmm. Prices are already very modest. Yes, and affordable. And may I personally recommend the Hakati oil and the Witch's Path because mm-hmm. it is really good. Mm-hmm. Different things that you can do if you are having uncomfortable dreams yes. or scary dreams or your children are because, you know, children right, yes. you know, are quite prone to quite prone dreams to, and nightmares. Yeah, because, you know, stresses of mm-hmm. life and things like that. And their brains are very small and mm-hmm. fresh. <laughs> One thing I did for my son when he was having disturbing dreams um, was I got fairy lights. Mm-hmm. That was actually recommended by a Native American to get fairy lights. Which are just those little, just describe little, them. Little Christmas, the little, yeah, little Christmas twinkle lights. Yeah, like little Christmas twinkle lights. But what I got, because those can be kind of bright, I actually got the, um, I got some lights that were for dorm rooms mm-hmm. and they were it's just a string and we strung them across the, uh, yeah. the ceiling on the on the walls at the at the, at the seam where the ceiling mm-hmm. is i guess and that seemed to help quite a bit of course um dream catchers are a right. native american tradition. practice a tradition get we, them from an actual native yeah. seller he actually does have one from a native seller who sp- who told him how it was created and why it was created and what it was meant for and it was a really beautiful experience yeah they had a, they had a he, he uh was at a powwow and yeah. he had a whole exchange with the creator and they they talked for i don't know half an hour something yeah, like that least. about the creation of this particular dream catcher and and what its function was what its purpose was what it meant and she was thrilled that that he wanted to purchase it mm-hmm. because she was like well i made this for you then uh-huh, you know? yeah <laughs> so it was a very beautiful spiritual exchange so if you are going to get a dream catcher don't go to you know get one of the kitschy ones mm-hmm. go to an actual native american craftsperson yep you can probably find one at a powwow yeah at a powwow or any of the you know where where they may be selling their mm-hmm. wares yep. uh, you know also there are um the little worry dolls yes they are you can make ma- them. guatemalan yeah they are guatemalan worry dolls and what you do is you get these little sets of dolls mm-hmm. and you put them beside your bed and you put the worries into them and you put the worries into the little dolls before you go to sleep mm-hmm. And if you wake up and have from having an uncomfortable dream, you tell the little dolls about the dream and they are said to take the dream away yep. so that you won't have it anymore. They absorb the worries. They absorb the worries and the fears and the concerns. Yep. Um, so that's another thing you can and do. And then another thing you can do with the, the worry dolls is after, so like you tell them the thing you're worried about mm-hmm. or the bad dream you had or the bad dream you don't want to have. Mm-hmm. And then... After the situation happens, if the situation you were worried about or after the night's sleep, you tell them whether whether it went well or badly so that they mm-hmm. so that they they the worry is resolved for the doll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you actually interact and work with these yeah. dolls because these are really like little teeny tiny spirit dolls mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> that so, work with you. Yeah. So like they take on the worry for you so that you don't have to carry it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, a, and it's then, a cool little tradition. And then, of course, you can also have uh, soothing scents like lavender mm-hmm. Uh, chamomile who would you know which they will assist you with your dreams but they can also assist with sweeter dreams yep and with just um general relaxation Mm -hmm. um a lot of reducing nightmares outside of things like lucid dreaming and Mm -hmm. and other interventions like that is to make your space more comforting yes Um, have a fluffy pillow to as much as possible reduce your anxiety Mm -hmm. about dreaming because uh as we were talking about when we said, you know, a lot of lucid dreaming is setting intentions and that mm-hmm. that phenomenon where you can sort of slide back into a dream that mm-hmm. you woke up out of. A lot of the research indicates that what you focus on is going to affect what you dream about. Mm-hmm. So if you're anxious about the dreams you've been having mm-hmm. or about a specific problem or if you've had a lot of nightmares and you're, you don't want to have a nightmare tonight, but th- as a result, you keep thinking about how much you don't want to have a nightmare tonight. Mm-hmm. You're still thinking about nightmares. So you you're might more likely one. to have one. So do some meditation. Uh-huh. Um, have, you know, have uh, some kind of a, a positive mantra or something that, uh, you know, set your intention that you are going to have a positive night's sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. The other thing that we should probably talk about with dreams is the interpretation of them. Because a right. lot of people are very interested in dream interpretation. Yes. There are a shit ton of books of, yes. out there on dream interpretation, what different symbols mean. Uh-huh. Some are based on Jung. Some are based on, on Freud. Freud. <laughs> um, some are based on not much. Not much. <laughs> 
And some people are just like Joseph and Daniel of the Bible Uh were just very good at interpreting the symbols of of a dream. And it's it's always going to be relevant to your culture. Mm-hmm. If you like if you grew up in one culture and now live in another one, your dream symbol sets are going to be multicultural, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So dream interpretation is one of those things where uh, a book of dream interpretation can be useful to you as a starting place, but don't depend on it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of you have to assess for yourself what this means to you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, you know, I've had those dreams where you feel like your teeth are getting pulled out. Uh-huh. You know, that's an anxiety dream because yep. you, you're you're worried about something. And so you're grinding your teeth and it, it gets interpreted into your dream. Yep. Things of that nature. But if you're dreaming about butterflies and, you know, uh, running through a, a green field of butterflies, you may want to sit back and you remember it. Right. Um, you may want to sit back and, and say, okay, well, what? does that mean to me? Well, for me, butterflies represent transformation mm-hmm. and transition. So that would indicate to me that, Hey, maybe this is something You're I'm heading towards. I'm heading towards transformation, of some, some kind, kind of transformation. Exactly. And the, you know, the fact that it's in a, a beautiful green field maybe mean this is a positive transformation. Exactly. As opposed to if you were like descending into a cave through a field of butterflies, <laughs> that might be more ominous. It might, or it could just mean, hey, I'm going down to Hakati's cave. Right. We're going to deal with some shit. And, and but it's going to be rough, but it's, it's going to be good. But it's, yeah, it's going to be rough, but it's going to be good because we're going to come out through the other side. Those types of interpretation are going to be much more meaningful if you interpret it based on what's important to you or what context you understand it as opposed necessarily to what you find in a book or what somebody else may interpret it as. Exactly. Um, I'm not saying don't go to a dream interpreter and don't use these books. Like Um, they can be useful starting points, especially if you've never interpreted your dreams before, but your personal symbol sets are going to be more meaningful and more useful in interpreting your dreams. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's not unlike interpreting signs and omens. Yep. No, so <laughs> very similar energy, very similar energy, especially because sometimes your dreams will be divinely inspired exactly. and you'll have to use the exact same methods you would use to interpret uh, a message from the gods in how many crows are hanging out as you will in how many crows were in your dream. Or it could be a spirit being, it could be uh, uh-huh. an ancestor. It, it could be uh, your spirit guides yep. or your higher self, you know, it, there's all kinds of, of, of things. But again, not every dream is going to have no. sacred or significant meaning. Sometimes a dream is just a dream. <laughs> and, and this can happen even in, so, so I, as I mentioned, I do a lot of dream work. So something I do occasionally when I'm looking to make contact with a particular spirit, I'll deliberately induce a lucid dream Mm -hmm. rather than an astral travel Mm -hmm. because A, there's already a lot of overlap between my astral spaces Mm -hmm. and my recurring dream spaces. Mm -hmm. I use a lot of my recurring dream spaces in my astral work anyway. Right. So there's a lot, there's a lot of crossover there for me and Mm -hmm. it's easier for me to induce a lucid dream state than it is to go through the whole rigmarole of astral traveling. Um, (laughs) So I'll induce a lucid dream and I know I don't have as much control in the dream, but that actually makes it easier for me to connect to other spirits Mm -hmm. that I I already know I'm not controlling. Yeah. Now, isn't that funny? Because I I do more astral Uh work and uh, haven't had a lot of experience except accidental. Yep. In with, lucid, lucid dreaming. dreaming. Whereas I'm like lucid dream all the way. Astral travels a lot of work. I'm going to do, I'm going to do all my, my spirit communication in dreams yeah. and that'll be fine. But I've, I, and that says good, go with what works for exactly. you. Follow, discover what's, what the best system is for yeah. you. Um, because I am able to tell the difference between a nonsense dream, even if it's a very exciting or an interesting nonsense dream, I know it's just like my brain creating something and not like I'm entering a spiritual encounter and a dream where I have entered one of my traditional spirit work dreamscapes mm-hmm. and the beings I'm interacting with are other entities that are interacting with me through this dream. Right. There's a distinct feeling. Mm-hmm. Even lucid dreaming in a nonsense dream is different from lucid dreaming in a spirit work dream. Mm-hmm. And that's just like, that's not something I'm sure I can describe. That's just other something than, that takes practice. Yeah. You just, you just know it when you're in it. Mm-hmm. It's not unlike when you are beginning with astral travel, because, you know, 
you do you start astral travel through imagination work mm-hmm. through visualization and and movement in in that sense and so you know confusing at the beginning to know you know is this my imagination am i creating this myself or is this am i truly interacting with the spirit is this a true astral mm-hmm. experience and it just comes down to knowing yeah so the difference saran and gray asks i've always had a hard time distinguishing the two lucid dream versus astral travel how would you define it Astral travel, like mom said, starts with a visualization Mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. Lucid dreaming, I'm not visualizing anything. I set my intention to go to this dreamscape. And you wake up in it. Because it's it's a space that I visit regularly and I know well, but... I'm not visualizing that dreamscape. Mm-hmm. It exists outside of me mm-hmm. and is always there. Well, so I set the intention that I'm going to dream to that place. I wake up lucid in that dream space. Mm-hmm. I activate spirit work in that dream space, but I'm not visualizing it. There's a difference between visualizing while conscious and mm-hmm. being lucid in a dream. Right. And I will say for um, for astral work that I have done, yes, it starts with meditation and visualization, mm-hmm. but those like you say, you know, you're, they still they blend into each other. Well, what I'm saying is that those spaces that I go to, they also it exist exactly. once they've been created. Yeah. Once they have been created in the astral plane, those places exist. I have several places that yeah. now exist in, in the astral plane that I travel to, but it is a conscious traveling to right. in a visualization space. Whereas in lucid dreaming, you... It's an unconscious... My brain just goes there. Your brain just goes there. But I do think that the dream work space Mm -hmm. and the astral space are functionally the same space. I think so, too. I'm just accessing that space in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah, but I did want to... I think it's just different paths to Mm -hmm. get to the same location. I agree. And that's why I wanted to make the point that astral spaces, just as with lucid dreaming spaces, they exist outside. Yeah. Once you've once they've been created, yeah, they they're ex- not imaginary. They're not they're imaginary. Astral. They're astral. They exist. Rhiannon Gray says, "So astral is when you're still technically awake. Is that right?" Uh, yes, you're in a trance. You will state. Be, You are awake, but in trance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You. So you like when I'm in a trance state. Even when I'm in a pretty deep trance state where I'm aspecting a deity, mm-hmm. I'm still aware of what's going on yeah. around. Me. Whereas when I'm in a lucid dream, I'm not aware of my physical body right. anymore. I'm fully in the dream space. Right. And asleep. Yes, I am asleep. I am only awake in the dream. Right. Whereas in a trance state, I am deeply in trance, Mm -hmm. perhaps, but I am still awake and conscious of my physical reality. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Sometimes we describe it in terms of waking up from, from astral work or waking up from trance. But that's not really accurate because you're never really asleep in a trance. Right, exactly. It's becoming aware Mm -hmm. of physical reality again out of a trance. Mm -hmm. Whereas to become aware of physical reality out of a lucid dream, I have to just wake up. So I guess really it, it comes down to what are you more comfortable with? Mm-hmm. What what comes and if it comes and what comes more naturally what to comes you? more naturally to you. Do you want if it if it takes work, do you want to require the work mm-hmm. to do it? Which for me, lucid dreaming requires work, even though I've done it, I it's not something that I want to put the work into necessarily. Whereas I've put the work into uh, astral travel, mm-hmm. and it has now become very natural for me. And for me, lucid dreaming and dream work in general were very natural. Yeah. Like I said, I was doing a lot of it before I was even formally oh, like exactly. doing a witchcraft practice. Miranda Gray says, okay, I think that makes sense. When thinking back to the astral episode, I mentioned wanting to try it, but being a bit worried about my reaction due to disassociation. So if you can theoretically get to basically the same place, maybe trying lucid is a better option for folks like me. Exactly. That's a very good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually. Um, and I think I mentioned in that episode, I have had trouble with disassociation and that may be part of why lucid dreaming is easier for me yes (laughs) exactly i'd never thought about it before but that's got potential yes there you go Uh so yeah i i think it's the main thing is that it's all valid Mm -hmm. um and if you feel like your dreams are there's a message being given to you in your Mm -hmm. dream especially if it's a recurring dream it it uh it may be worth pursuing and like Mm -hmm. writing it down and kind of figuring out what is the the message being given to you yeah, and so I guess just to round things off, the the easiest and most accessible way, I guess, for most people to start a dream practice mm-hmm. is to start a dream journal. Yeah. So how you do that is when, before you go to bed, you sit down a journal or a pad of paper or something, 
uh, or a voice recorder next to your bed. Let me recommend a voice recorder <laughs> because I don't think I've tried so many times to start a dream journal. Put down something that you can use to record information next to your bed before mm-hmm. you go to sleep uh, and then sleep. <laughs> sleep. With- with the setting the intention of remembering your dream. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you wake up, and ideally this works best if you wake up naturally mm-hmm. instead of if you wake up to an alarm clock. Yeah, then you're probably going to be snapped. The right alarm out of is going to snap you into your morning routine and like you will lose all the fragments of the dream you managed to remember. Mm-hmm. If possible, try to set this up so that you can do it with a, a natural awakening. And then mm-hmm. as soon as you're uh, conscious of being awake, try to remember what you dreamed and write down the results. If you yeah. didn't remember anything, write down, and this is important, write down, I didn't remember my dream. I will remember my dream tomorrow because that helps you set the intention. Again, mm-hmm. helps remind your brain, I want to remember these things. Yeah. So write down, I will remember my dream tomorrow if you don't remember your dream. Yeah. And then write the next date, And try again the next night. And I do recommend, you know, for those who are going to attempt a dream journal, Mm -hmm. as soon as you can write it or record it, do that. because Before you do anything else. I can't tell you how many times I have remembered a dream, Uh gotten up, and by the time I've, you know, used the bathroom, I have completely forgotten what it was. Because I think I'm going to go to the bathroom first and then I'm going to write it down. Don't do it. The very first thing you do as write it soon down. as you become conscious of being awake is to write down yeah. anything you remember. Yeah, exactly. Because if you do not, if, you will lose it if, immediately. <laughs> Most yeah. people, here's the thing. They say 95% of people don't remember their dreams, right? Most people, when they wake up, do remember a tiny fragment of their Some dream. part of it. And but they gone. lose it. But by the time they've gotten out of bed, we get a weird retrograde amnesia. Yeah, we do. We really do. We get <laughs> when it a- comes to dreams, it's just this weird retrograde. <laughs> and now I'm going to throw out a, a theory just for fun because I used to wonder if, and I've I've hmm. seen it posited in other places that when you dream, you are literally going into another dimension. I've seen that, and I don't believe it. <laughs> I've, I've seen that and I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me. No. I think other dimensions do exist. I don't think we access them through dreams. At least not most dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you actually access them through rock. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, we know how to get to other dimensions. Thank you, Buckaroo Banzai. taught us yeah. that. But no, I, I personally do not believe that most, if any, dreams are portals to other dimensions. I know some people do believe that. Some people believe that and you believe whatever makes you happy, but I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen no evidence to support that. Mm-hmm. That's just where I'm at on that. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. No, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. Just to see. No, that one, that one doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I think dreams have plenty to tell us in this dimension and we can focus on that one. Yeah. And that'll be fine. I think so too. <laughs> but I think that's it. Yeah. Do you have anything you wanted to add about dreams or things that you've researched? No. Because I don't know anything. <laughs> Are you going to try to start a dream journal car? Uh, no. Are you going to try to remember your dreams? Uh, possibly. Okay. Well, let us know the results. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm not a journaling type. That's, that's true. That's, 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 that's true, true. And that's very fair. Uh, if that's going to be it for this yeah. episode, Carr, can you lead us out, please? Google us, fuckers. <laughs> nice. Nice, honey. Excellent. Succinct. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you all next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>